The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. It's the Cigar Authority After Show, and it's brought to you by Roma Craft Tobacco. Since 2010, Mike Rosales and Skip Martin have focused on the simple and time-honored task of combining quality tobacco, experienced craftsmen, and the right amount of time to bring you cigars worthy of the legacy of the centuries of premium cigar craftsmen that came before them. Whether you are revisiting the anti-prohibition era mindset of intemperance or getting in touch with your more primal side with a Cro-Magnon and Neanderthal, you are sure to find a blend in the Romacraft house of brands that fits the exact balance of flavor strength, and body you are looking for in that moment. When you're finally able to take a short break from the world to relax and enjoy a cigar, the last thing you need is a complicated sales pitch. Simple, yet substantial. Tobacco, talent, time. Romacraft Tobacco. The after show, the after show. It's the after show, everybody. The show after the show, and Noel Rojas stuck around, so we thought, uh, why not bring him on, because uh, maybe the subject is, uh, you're going to like what we're going to talk about here. I saw an article in Tobacco Business, uh, it's a trade publication for the cigar industry, and Tobacco Business says the world's most valuable tobacco brands. The tobacco industry is defined by strong quality brands that help retailers build loyal customers in store. And every year, the brand finance company does uh, looks at the valuation of leading brands. So they're talking about all tobacco brands, and they come up with, and it's no surprise to me, Marlboro. Marlboro <clears throat> cigarettes are obviously number one. It's They say that the brand itself... Not the sales or anything, but if somebody was to sell that brand name to somebody, it's worth $35.5 billion. Wow. With That's a how B. strong that brand is. Followed by a whole bunch of different um, cigarette brands. Um, and I believe at the very end here, we have a vape company, Glow, um, that is at number 10 uh, in the UK. But most of them are US company based. Uh, Winston now saying Japan, so Japan owns that. Uh, Rothman Cigarettes is the UK, but other than that, we got Paul Mall, L and M. And as I looked at that, I said, okay, how about cigar brands? Is there any value of a cigar brand out there that could be used on other products and things? If somebody just bought the brand, and the only one I can honestly say uh, is probably Cohiba Cuban, because I saw there's um, rum, maybe Cohiba rum. Uh, there was a cognac, there was a perfume, there was a few mm-hmm. different things. I think people even not in the tobacco business or a user of tobacco understands Cohiba. They certainly understand um, Marlboro cigarettes. Marlboro is a brand. Um, is there any value to a brand? And if you were to build a brand, which you're doing, um, what do you build it for? And is there any thought process of strong quality brand to help retailers build loyal customers because that's what they're saying what makes a strong brand so what do you think of this yeah i believe uh, building brand and in my personal experience you know uh, going back to what we took at the show when i first came out with my uh, lines about 10 years ago i had sabor destely wayacan very good cigars people couldn't even remember the name and that was the thing. There was not a communication. And for me, or for what I have understand, it's any brand that's trying to be successful, it has to work very well on the message. What is the message? 
what that brand means. Because in our mind, a cat is a cat and a dog is a dog. I haven't seen too many cat dogs or dog cats. Yeah, except so, for that one cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, it has to mean something, and it has to be uh, something that you can categorize in your mind and say, okay, for this particular category, I'm going to use this particular product or service. And it, it, it all falls down to, for example, I mean, it's not tobacco, but like, for example, Nike and Adidas. You know, what made the difference between using a Nike shoes and using Adidas shoes? Yeah. You know, it's the way that they present it to you. It's all sports athletes that they're, you know, they make you feel that when they're using Nikes, you're one of those guys, you know, one of those athletes. And they make you feel, going back to the emotional connection of the brand, make you feel like one of your, those guys, or at least you're trying to be. So they end up getting those athletes to make sure they're wearing Nikes so that that eventually happens, right? Exactly. So it means something. It means that you are in, in shape. You know, that's, that's what it feels. Okay. You know, even though you might be not in shape, but, you know, that's the way they make you uh, to feel when you're interacting with the product. So what is your connection then? I overheard you having a conversation that you're, you want your brand to be connected in some way to Texas. Well, in brands, I mean, for what I have learned of what we're trying to do, I base in Texas and I live in Dallas. And there's something that I, I would say this is what is called the brand identity. Um, like we were talking about, you know, for example, Nike. Nike, it's, uh, it's an American brand, even though it might be made in Indonesia or yeah. uh, Vietnam. But, I mean, it's all American. For it's an American brand, even though it's made in an assembly in Mexico. Right. Uh, talking about cigars. Levi's, you know, you can exactly. think of that. Exactly. So it, it's all about identity, where it's coming from. And think about this. This is coming from the perspective of a regular human core behavior. I came here, for example, without nobody knowing who I am, right? I present myself. My name is Noel Rojas. And then after we talk a little bit, we kind of uh, put people in places based on where they're coming from or where they're from, their identity. Yeah. You know, where they belong. So if you ask me, okay, where are you from? And I said, I can tell you. What do you think is that going to create in you? I'm going to say Cuba, right? Even yeah, but what if I don't want to tell you? Yeah, if he says, I can't tell you where I'm from. I can tell you where I'm from. Does that add some mystique or does it add some aggravation to that conversation? Would you trust me? Is what I'm no. no. That's the point. Okay. Trust. So... You need to have an identity so people can trust you. They can know where you're coming from. You know what I mean? Where are you from? So that, you know, in their mind, people, product, services, whatever. They Is that why you use your name? Rojas, that's well, your last name. Therefore, uh, you, you, how I look at it is when somebody puts their name on it, it's like, okay, now you, you're not going to give me a bad product because your name's on it, and it's going to actually hurt your family name if the product ends up. You, you wouldn't make a cheap, crappy cigar and put your name on it, would you? No, no. Right, and that's what automatically I would think nobody's going to do that. But uh, I would call that part of personal branding. That's, you know, and using myself to brand my product, but that's not the identity of the product. Where is the product coming from? You know, David Hoff, okay. you know, it's all Switzerland. And um, uh, like we've talked about, you and, know. And it says luxury for exactly, whatever reason, exactly. right? Well, even think about Marlboro with the Marlboro Cowboy and, and that whole mystique that they created around that brand. As much as we don't like the cigarette companies 
as oh, entities. the best in the world. But they are and, the and they best at making able, that marketing. And they haven't been able to advertise for five years, for, for 50 years. Yeah. Marlboro cigarettes started off as a woman's cigarette, by the way. And the lettering was script writing. And I, I happen to be a collector of old um, cigarette packs. It had a whole different look to it. And app, it was even something when a lady's lipstick was on the filter end of it that it wouldn't leave a mark or whatever it would. They really went for women. After a short period of time, they said, okay, let's change this. We're going with cowboy. We're going after the guys. And they changed the identity completely. And they created the most unbelievable loyalty campaign by doing that. Yes. Yes. So when I'm showing the people that we are a Texas brand and everything that we do, per se, is a Texan style on, on the packaging, I'm giving you my background. Percent. So you, you might trust me more than if I, I have just a package but, that doesn't say anything. But you, you don't look like a Texan. Well, yeah. Well, I, you don't see me with the cowboy hat. Okay. And, you, know, you know what I mean? But I feel as Texas. And I'll tell right. you, short story, and this is something even before coming to the States, when I was in the military service, which is mandatory in Cuba. Yes. Um, uh, one day, you know, I have this very long uh, night, shift night, that I have to, from 9 a.m. to 9 a.m. to the next day. And I was just there on my post. And they gave us a radio. You know, somebody brought a radio to the, to the place. And for some reasons, this radio have a good FM. And it could actually take a, a, an American radio station. that the only thing that they played was uh, country music. Yeah. And I just fall in love with country right. music. And I'm like, even though I might not lose the cowboy hat and all of that, yeah. I'm from a very little town in Cuba. I was always around by cows, horses, sure. people in that type of thing, uh, per se. And, and I love, I mean, I live outside of the city, you know, in a small city. Uh, I have my guns. I mean, I don't have horses yet, but eventually How much you know, value? I will have a, a nice ranch. You're, the, you're a Cuban cowboy. Kind of. Well, we, we, right. with our interview on the show, you brought up your uh, sort of origin story of how you came to be a cigar maker, which y- you have to do the first time you're on the show. But which do you think has more value to the consumer, the fact that you have Cuban heritage or the fact that you have ties to Texas? Well, when you say Cuban heritage, is because I'm Cuban or do you mean it because I come from – well – just to understand your question, can you repeat it in, sure, in a different you, way? You you certainly come from Cuba. Yes. That's where, that's where you started, and you, you ended up where you are now, where you live in Texas. So which one do you think has more value to the cigar smoker, that a Cuban is in charge of making these cigars, or that you, Noel Rojas, have ties to Texas, and that's where you're based? I think it's a mixture of, this, uh, of both, because it's a good thing that I'm from Cuba, like... Would I buy a pizza from uh, a German guy instead of from an Italian guy? Correct. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because when, when the cigar boom happened in the 90s, every gringo was connecting themselves to somehow Cuban heritage or whatever, and names of brands would have Cuban names, and this was a guy living in New Jersey, and he would try to make himself <laughs> seem Cuban and put the hat on, try, try, you know, with the, the Cuban hat and stuff, and, and dressing guayaberas, and everybody tried to be a Cuban so that they could connect with the retailer and say and lie and say they had a Cuban, Cuban heritage or whatever it is. And here's somebody from Cuba, and 
well, the great story that goes along with it and say, okay, now I'm going to connect with Texas. When you have this piece of gold here that you are legitimate Cuban. Is it gold, though? I don't know. Because you got a guy like Rafael Nadell, very similar story, yeah. lands here. And other than when he has to tell his origin story, for yeah. lack of better phrasing, he doesn't discuss that he has Cuban heritage at all. He's all about the brand. I guess you don't have to say it because you can look at you, talk to you. We know you're from Cuba. I think the good the good thing about being Cuban and using a certain way that heritage speaks. I don't come from a family that have a traditional tobacco thing like other people. You know, yeah. I, I just learn about tobacco and do what I do because I like it. But you know, my family never was into the tobacco business. Yeah. The good thing is that you know I have the ability per se that I can understand what the U.S. market wants, which is completely different to the Cuban cigar market. Yes. Being able to go to Nicaragua and blend those cigars in a way, blend those tobaccos in a way that I can actually serve the U.S. market and giving them what they want. And I don't have that, per se, stock mind that it has to be like a Cuban flavor type of cigar to yeah. be able to, to make it. Actually, so it still hasn't happened that Cuban cigars come to the U.S., but I think when Cuban cigars come to the U.S., they're going to have a hard time. People aren't going to understand it. It's it's not going to go over well. I think they better make some serious changes before they try to come into the U.S. market here. Yeah. At least, I mean, at least in Texas, I know several different states smoke different strength of cigars in yeah. general sense. But at least in Texas, most of the cigar people smoke is medium to full, a medium. I mean, you see low amount of people smoking low, um, mild to medium cigars, and most of the Cuban cigars, I mean, the most they get is to medium. Right. So it's it's it's, it's going to be difficult. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the interesting thing will be if Cuba. I mean, l looking at it, if Cuba opens up and the system change, it's going to change for everybody. So it's not going to be like they're going to be s selling Cuban cigars here, and the Cuban people won't have access to be entrepreneurs and grow their own tobacco and sell their own tobacco. I think. I think the, the cool thing about this will be if Cuba changes, I will be able to go back, grow my own tobacco in Cuba, and then mix it with tobacco from all yes. over the world. So that's on your radar. You, that's something that of you're course. interested yeah. in. Yeah, of course. Of Have course. you ever gone back, by the way? I went back about four, four or five times in the last 15 years. Yeah. But it's, uh, it's the last vacation that I would like to take just because it hurts every time that I go back and I see all the people struggling, yeah. especially friends. Very well-educated people that, you know, never took a chance, you know. Yeah. Never have a chance to do something better of what they have. Yeah. And I think that's what's going to separate you from your competition because you had the balls to get on that raft and, and, make, and start the journey and, and cross over the border. I, nothing else could, must seem like it's difficult to you. Well, we were just talking about that, me and David, uh, before that is I tell him, you know, I... I Nothing really scared me because nothing ever is going to be as bad as it was down there. I mean, for as bad it, as it could be, it will never be even close to what we live down there. Not just me, but, you know, all the people that live in Cuba and they're living right now in Cuba. It's right now it's even wor uh, worse than when the Soviet Union collapsed. Even worse. There was nothing. Now it's less than nothing. Yeah. Even food. Food is... I send my family money uh, for buying food and chickens and, and things like that, and they spend two weeks just finding one chicken. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's that hard. 
can't even find the food. No, they can't even find it. Even, if, even with the money. Yeah, you, you can I have the money it. to do it. can't even find it. Going back to there's no entrepreneurship. There's no private business. They don't allow you to have a, a farm chicken, grow chickens, sell it. Even to you, for your own sake in your yard, you couldn't have it. Uh, I mean, you could do it for your own, but you can get to a certain point. Where are you going to get the little you know, chickens? Right. I and mean, just if you have like three or four and you can grow a Slowly, little by little. Yeah. What about the people who live in the city? Correct. Which is a lot of them. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So yeah, now they, you, you, yeah. I was going to say it takes a lot of strength and character. Mm. It, it does. So let's get to that. Strength and character segment brought to you by Camacho Cigars. It's time for the strength and character segment. Brought to you by Camacho Cigars. Camacho Cigars, the icon of uncompromised values. There are six pillars of character, trustworthiness, responsibility, fairness, caring citizenship, and respect. Those are the pillars of character, and uh, we have, uh, we're, we're running low on these things. I say it each and every week, but uh, one of them is respect. Use good manners, not bad language. How do you feel, uh, you personally, on good manners? Not bad language. Good manage is what my family told me since the beginning. Ah, good. That's uh, that's the way the Rojas family was born. I was raised. And, um, uh, you know, Cubans used to be very loud. I mean, we used to be very loud when we speak and just the way we talk. It seems like we're fighting each other. But uh, in... in Sounds like Dave's family. There we go. (laughs) It does. Um... But but in general sense, I mean, it's is manners is everything. You know, if you walk into a place nobody knows you, they can just judge you based on your manners. Do you see it different here in the United States? You came here and you say, "Well, these people are rough on each other." Is no, not Americans really. No, no. no. I, I mean, in my opinion, Americans are one of the most educated people that I have deal with uh, in my life. Yeah, I mean, you could have went to any kind. Once you got here, you say, "Okay, now I go to Spain. I can go wherever I want." Exactly. But you got to, and you end up staying in the U.S. Yes, yes. A lot of respect, and the, I mean, the most beautiful thing is, you know, it's a, it's a melting pot. You know, doesn't matter where you are, where you're from. You know, you can always respect people, get along, yeah, people, and share. People were good to you. Exactly. Yeah, oh, super good. All right, and it's important. Good. Bad language is a separate matter because I'm pretty fucking polite. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so Fuck yeah, <laughs> I I think um, you can use some bad language as long as you use it judiciously. Get get the word out. You say it to so somebody understands. You say you, mean you, you talk like that to the right people. It's not yeah, not in mixed company. Yeah, certainly. I don't I don't see that as a problem myself either. Yeah, I don't go to a nursing home and stop <laughs> dropping the f bomb no. everywhere. No, no. Well, well, one thing that did surprise me was how much love is within the cigar industry, within the cigar smokers. You know, yeah. it, it's like a church without being a church. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? The, the, you know, and if you were here last week, we, we had our 12-year anniversary party. People came from all over the world to come here, and uh, they didn't know each other. And most of them came by themselves. And we were here together with them for three days, and 
they became friends with each other right off the bat. Everybody seemed like-minded. I've been in this business 37 years. What I always loved about it is all the different stores I've owned and stuff. You go into the cigar lounge right now, down the end of there, there's a whole bunch of people sitting together. You can just go in there right now, sit with them, and you're going to make new friends. And the only thing that is alike with those people is they both, they all like this, which is the cigar. But there's nothing else. There's a doctor there. There's a trash collector. There's a um, you know construction guy. There's all different people, and their connection is is a cigar, and they get along with each other. So it's been beautiful there. But back on the subject of the value of a brand, you're building a brand or multiple brands. You have Rojas. You have Street Taco. Two different brands. Well. That's three tacos, even though it's small, but it still says Rojas on top okay. of it. Okay. Yeah. So you don't look at that as a separate brand by itself? No, no, because it said Rojas is three tacos. Okay. So, but the way that we are building it is, I said, you know, we, we, we want to have something more elegant, per se, which is going to be like Rojas Statement, Rojas Bonnets, okay. things like that, where we keep ourselves within the same logo, same look. Okay. And we need to have something more artist, artist, art, artistic. What's the... Uh, Ro- uh, street Taco is fun, right? It's exactly. more of a fun brand. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And uh, the up, upcoming Rojas Unfinished Business is on the artistic side of the Rojas brand. Okay. I have that sitting on my desk that I'll smoke after this. Box pressed. The whole line? Yes. Okay. All right. It makes sense because you don't have one, and there's a different line of it also. Um, Would you consider Ultra Premium as another another line, Rojas, or Rojas is for the average guy, so it's priced this way, and this is how Rojas is? Yeah, when it comes to pricing, uh, you know, I think I didn't want want to place my cigars on a place where – it's so cheap per se that we're we're working with the margins of how good tobaccos we can use yes. to be profitable. Yes, 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 of course. And I mean, in, in the real thing, as we start growing over tobaccos, that's like we are doing right now, and as we create more infrastructure uh, and we use less tobaccos from providers that I have to buy at retail price then my cost of making those cigars is going to be lower. Yes. I think the prices of my cigars as it is right now, they're not expensive. No. But they're not cheap either. Yeah. I have the margin to be able to use, you know, more expensive tobaccos if I need to use it without increasing my prices. Yeah. Which has to be an issue right now because the price of tobacco is crazy. It is. But, you know, we just recently increased the prices, but we only went up like 10, 15 cents, up to 25 cents per cigar. Okay. Which is not a huge increase on yeah. price. You know, it's not 50 or $1. Right. Uh, but I always wanted to play within that margin. You know, I want to have enough margin that if tobacco keeps going on, we can hold it to the last point. So, and don't, you don't have to say the name of the brand or anything, but you look at, at some competitive products and you say, okay, this is my competitor. I want to be the, and it's not Davidoff, so I'll use their name. Um, here's Davidoff, so that's my direct competitor to my product, whatever that brand is, and watch what they do and, and learn from that and say, this is what they're doing, this is what I should do, or are you just on your own and say, I have a different... Well, my approach to that was never looking at oh, some other people's prices. 
my approach to that was mostly work on perception because this is the thing I could make the best cigars in the world. If I sell it cheap, people are going to think they're cheap, of bad course. cigars. So I think the balance is to the point where you think, okay, I have to have a price where it's not too cheap that people are going to question whether it's a good cigar or not. And it's, gonna, it's not going to be that high that people are going to question whether it's that a good cigar. Yes. So it has to be balanced within. You hit that, that sweet spot unbelievably right, right well. There. You yeah, hit right it. there. Because it's, I mean, it's, the real thing is uh, you get what you pay for is embedded on the mind of the consumer. So if you go too high, I mean, the guy who usually smokes good cigars at an average price is going to say, well, why would I going to pay that much? If I can get a good cigar for this much. Right. And if you go too low, it's like, well, I don't think it's going to be that a good cigar. Something I look at when, when I'm putting a brand together is an automobile. And I say, okay, what is this cigar? If it was an automobile, is it a Mercedes? Is it a Cadillac? Is it, what, what is this automobile of the cigar? If you would say Rojas and connect that to an automobile... Do you have a thought in mind what that could well, be? Well, okay. Let's look at it this way. In automobiles, the most expensive ones are the ones that require more craftsmanship, right? Yeah. Let's say Bugatti, Lamborghini, sure. all of those good cars. You know, most of those are just hand ensemble, right? Look at the complication of making a small ring gauge cigar, which is the category we're dominating. Yeah. Anybody can make a 60, a 54, a 52 cigar, get a good draw, even though they put the tobaccos in a way that you didn't put it in there. I mean, you have a wide, big mass of tobacco where you can always get draw from one side to the other, even if half of the cigar is plugged, the other half is not. You're sure. getting that. In big ring gauge cigars, you can be grown. When I say grown, is you can be up or down up to two, three, or four grams. It doesn't really affect the cigar. It's going to affect it, but it's going to affect it that much. On the draw. So we're talking about draw right now. Yeah. Right? Now let's talk about quality of tobaccos. Tobaccos that are not well fermented. That, you know, they cut corners and they didn't ferment it well. In a big mass of tobacco, 54 up or 52 up, even though if one or two tobaccos inside are not burning the way they should be because they cut corners with that particular tobacco, the whole mass of tobacco burning is going to help that tobacco to burn yeah, at the same speed. Yeah. So you see how Makes many sense. things you see how many yeah. things you have in your I favor? never considered that, but okay, yeah. yeah. Now go to the smaller gauge cigars. Every freaking tobacco inside have to burn perfectly. Otherwise, you won't have a, 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 a you know consistent even burning on the cigars. I wonder if that's why manufacturers ended up going to to bigger yeah, range. Yeah, that's the thing. Now, a regular bonchero in Nicaragua or Dominican can make 350, 400 cigars in a regular size, like a 54 and up. On Lanceros, they can only make 250. Yeah. More craftsmanship. Let's talk about the weight. The weight on the cigar that is under 46 gauge, you can only go up and down half a gram. Half a gram, mm. that's nothing. You're talking about a half leaf of tobacco and soaking. Sure. You see how difficult it is? So I would say we're building Lamborghinis. Ah. Even though we're not selling at that price. Yeah. I mean, based on the craftsmanship that is going into a small ring gauge. He's the Mini Cooper of cigars. It's a BMW platform. <laughs> <laughs> it takes way more, way more work 
uh, tobaccos have to be well fermented. The binder have to be well fermented. I mean, well fermented tobacco that burns well, well fermented wrapper, and especially going back to up to 80% of the flavor of the cigar come from the wrapper, we have to use the best wrapper we can find. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. it doesn't make any sense to make it. Would that answer the question? Great answer. Great answer. We question great answer, right? Awesome. <laughs> you can come back anytime, Noel. Yeah, so will you have this new cigar, the box press, what was it called again? Unfinished Business. Unfinished Business. It should be an easy one to remember, right? Yeah. Unfinished Business. Uh, for the trade show? Ready to go? Yes. Yeah? Yes. By the trade show, we will have the Rojas Unfinished Business, which is a Sumatra Ecuadorian wrapper. It's actually the same wrapper I use on the street tacos, but it's a little bit darker tone. So when we sort all of this wrapper in, in, in the factory, we sort the uh, Sumatra wrapper, the darker tones are going to be for the unfinished business. And the lighter tone for the Sumatra wrapper, uh, for the uh, street tacos. It has a Mexican San Andres binder with tobaccos uh, from Jalapa and Condera. Okay. Um, Sumatra, very, very popular with, um, with um, uh, Carrillo, Ernesto Carrillo. Back in the day when he had Gloria Cubana, he always loved that tobacco. And over the years, you don't see a lot of people using Sumatra today. Almost looked upon as uh, it, it's less of a quality, like Mexican tobacco was also. Um, but very, very flavorful. The problem, I, I believe, that was happening with that was um, the look, the appearance of it. It tasted beautiful, but it didn't look all that great. Yeah, it have, it, it, it's normally the way that it looks, it, it looks like it's a stain, yes. like the wrapper is a stain, unless they do a really good job with the fermentation process, which the company that I bought it from, Oliva Tampa Tobago, okay. uh, they do a great job with that. Uh, but, I mean, my opinion, is one of the most flavorful tobacco Flavor, right, right. Oh, it was Broadleaf also that people would, would say negatively about mm -hmm. Broadleaf. Not anymore. People would love to get their hands on it. Uh, it didn't look all that good, but tastes great. So that becomes some of the problem that happens to it. So, wow, looking forward to that at the trade show this year. Yes, sir. All right. Anything else at the trade show you want to disclose? Yes. Uh, there is another release we're going to have, which is also a box press cigar with an Ecuadorian Connecticut wrapper. And it's called the Street Tacos Cornitas. So it's another release of the uh, Street Tacos. Uh, we call it Cornitas. It's going to be a medium-body Connecticut wrapper cigar. We also will have, you know, every year we make a release of uh, what we call the KSG, the King of Small Gauge. Yeah. Um, it's going to be a Lonsdale uh, 6x42. Uh, with a, yeah. with a, that's uh, all of his interest. I'm interested. Yeah, yeah. Lonsdale was oh, was boy. big in the back in the day, yeah. man. If you can bring it, bring, bring these small ring gauges back. The interesting thing what is going to be that nobody's doing it. You're doing it, highlighting it. You are the king of small ring gauges. Do you worry that the other companies are going to come in and say, okay, he's doing it? So, I recently, actually, yesterday, I was reading an article by Halfwell. And they were talking about a lot of companies bringing back smaller ring gauges yeah. and Lanceros. But I don't really concern about that because I'm going to ask you a very simple question. If you're going to buy a tire for your car, do you go to Walmart or discount tires? I don't know if you have discount tires up here. Yeah, they're around. Yeah, I don't even know. Okay, let's say you're going to buy a TV. 
Would you go to Walmart or you go to Best Buy? Probably Best Buy. Why? Because they specialize on... Selection? Exactly. Okay. So you go to the specialists. Right. You know what right. I mean? You need to... I mean... Any, yeah, any a cigar at a cigar shop, or you go to the convenience store that has exactly, a cigar, right? Exactly. So you always I, go, you always go to the specialist, this, whatever thing, product or service you're consuming, because you know he's the one that can guarantee that you're gonna get the best out of what you want. Yeah. If you just, want, they're just doing it to fill fill in the market. Exactly. Yeah. So if you want a smaller ring gauge cigar, I don't say that other companies can do a, a good small ring gauge cigars. They 100 they can do it. It just happened. That we specialize on a smaller ring gauge cigars. So we go far and beyond to make sure that those cigars are made the way that they should be made. All right. So watch this guy, Noel Rojas, Rojas Cigars. Watch this company. I promise you, if he, if he was a stock in the stock market, I'd be buying this guy right now. <laughs> tell you that. All right. That's it for the after show. You got the show. cigar draft uh, next week? Cigar draft. Should All right. be good. All right. Do we have a Rojas in there? If not, that's, we should get yeah, one in there. That's a good question. It's a good one. We, we haven't finalized the uh, draft pool yet, yes. so maybe it'll be in there. All right. Stick the lid end in your mouth. You might like it. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.